right about now, you are listening to the Legacy and Leadership Podcast, a show where we discuss living as a leader worth following, leading others to do the same, and in doing so, leaving a legacy for future generations. My name is Jimmy Gonzalez Jr., a learning and development professional and leadership coach, sitting down with my co-host, Anthony Devon Watts Jr., an expert contact center leader that has effectively led and developed dynamic teams with high motivation. Together, we have over 30 years' experience in the corporate game. Join us as we discuss our growth as leaders, share the lessons we've learned, and interview others to see how their leadership style was shaped as they were mentored by adversity. Welcome back, Legacy Leaders, to the Legacy and Leadership Podcast, um, presented to you by the Legacy Leadership Learning Group. Uh, again, this is a show where we teach you what it takes to live as a leader we're following, how to lead others to do the same, and in doing so, leaving a legacy for generations to come. I am your co-host, Devon Watts Jr., uh, and I am not here with my co-host, Jimmy Gonzalez Jr., but for good reasons. Jimmy is uh, celebrating uh, his wife's birthday, Stacy. Happy birthday, Stacy! Um, and if you've been following us, you know that we preach sharpening your saw, making sure that you maintain your relationships. And he listened to his intuition on this one uh, and uh, made sure to carve out some time uh, to celebrate uh, his beautiful wife's birthday. And so, as you can see, we are people who practice what we preach, right? So um, I will be flying this plane solo, uh, but I am not alone. We are more than capable hands because we are back for part two of our MBA series. Um, again, with uh, Sunil Gatsi. Um, uh, you know, uh, if you listen to our last episode, you got an opportunity to hear Sunil's story and specifically how he was mentored by adversity. I mean, he talked a little bit about uh, his journey, um, how he got into the spaces that he's gotten to and uh, went from, you know, being an aspiring uh, engineer student, <laughs> uh, aspiring engineer to uh, really becoming one of the, the foremost uh, brand consultants, especially when it comes to the space of intuition and really studying and mastering that from an entrepreneurial perspective perspective. And so uh, we're excited to have Sunil back uh, so that he can talk a little bit more to our legacy leaders about uh, intuitive branding, um, about intuitionology, um, and just really, you know, kind of his area of expertise and how you can incorporate that as a leader, as an entrepreneur, um, to help refine your branding approach, your branding strategy, and as you make business decisions every single day. So before we get into the meat, the nitty gritty and all the golden nuggets start dropping like we were uh, having in the last episode, uh, you know, we got to check in. So Sunil, welcome, 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 man. How are you feeling? I'm doing fantastic. And thanks for having me for a second time, uh, dropping some hopefully some more knowledge bombs a little bit more on the business side. So I'm um, happy to do that. And uh, I, again, the underlying thing is that intuition, you know, doesn't really care about personal business, uh, but I'm going to couch it in the business side a little bit more so that those who are running businesses or want to be entrepreneurs coming up um, have a real opportunity to really hone in on intuition uh, and use it to make more effective uh, business decisions. Awesome, man. Yeah, actually, it's funny. Uh, just yesterday, uh, I was going through the process of doing some of the uh, the audio editing on our last episode um, and uh, just digging in a little bit more. And I, I happened to come across on your website, one of your TEDx talks. Uh, right, uh, where you got an opportunity to kind of speak at the uh, TEDx conference and you were talking specifically about intuition. 
uh, with this room of uh, professionals and just people who are uh, you know, really interested in growing um, as leaders and entrepreneurs and business runners and you know, from various walks of life, man. And it was just riveting stuff um, that you were just sharing. Uh, and I, I got a kick out of the uh, the 10 second activity you had everybody do about getting up and starting to make people hug each other. I was yeah. looking at it, I was like, yeah, this is definitely pre-Rona. This is definitely pre-COVID environment. But, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But uh, the cool thing about that though is um, even in that microcosm is just like that 10 seconds, um, it was profound after the fact when you bought to the attention of everybody like, hey, in, even in that instant, you leverage your intuition. You leverage your intuition your, your gut feeling, these unspoken signals to make decisions around who you can create connections with right. like in that in that short amount of time. Um, and I just thought that was exciting. So that kind of got me geared up uh, for our conversation today. And I'm really just looking to learn a little bit more um, about um, intuitive branding and, uh, again, intuitionology. So why don't we start with intuitive branding, man? So um, I think, you know, obviously as entrepreneurs, as, as business runners, people are always thinking about like, how am I going to market? How am I representing them in, in the market? How do I connect with my customer? How do I make it easy for them to understand the space that I serve? All that stuff. Um, and as creatives, because I do think entrepreneurs are also creatives, right? Um, as creatives, sometimes we can get a little bit too creative, maybe a little bit too fancy or maybe overthink it and totally miss the mark or be blind to the fact that how we're representing ourselves and our brand may not necessarily be connecting or the way we want to represent our, ourselves and our brand. So I'm hoping that you can start with just like, maybe explain that a little bit more to our listeners, like what exactly is intuitive branding and um, you know, how can, how can we get better at it as entrepreneurs? Yeah, absolutely. And so, so the, the, the base of intuition really kind of comes from, and when it comes, it comes into trust, uh, and the research is is uh, very powerful when it comes to this. And and in, in the last episode, I, I touched upon a little bit of the research where uh, intuition kind of hits. And I'll, I'll do a little bit of a revival of that, where the intuition hits the limbic part of the brain, and it's really between you know fight, fright, th- uh, you know fight, flight, think, do, act. So it's it's really at that level. There's no capacity for language, and all it knows. And that's why we when when I I constantly ask people um, on my podcast series, and I've interviewed over a thousand people now how they define into it it's always like a feeling and that's exactly what it should be it's here there's no capacity for language so we all kind of feel something Uh, and when we feel something that's when we have that emotional connection it's also the center where the emotional connections are made and this is very important because with those emotional connections comes a sense of trust or distrust and so when i look at the the research that went behind this a couple of pieces are really, really uh, important for our, our, our talk in intuitive branding. The first piece is that when they looked at, they measured intuition um, and they found that intuition acts on average seven to 10 seconds before we actually make a decision or take an action. They did the same study, and you would have heard this on the TEDx talk, where they looked at entrepreneurs and they measured things like skin conductance and heart rate as sort of proxies for, for an intuitive hit, so to speak. Uh, and they found the same thing seven seconds before an entrepreneur made his or her business decision, intuition came up. And when it came to trust and distrust, a couple of the research studies looked at the exchange between uh, value exchange between somebody giving somebody money or not. And when they measured the brain, that showed that it happened in between 10 to 14 seconds. And that's just what we can, that was, that was uh, measured back in the early 2000s with research methodologies coming, uh, becoming much better. Uh, that's even getting faster as, as an example of that. 
Um, if you looked at the intuition uh, that happens now, that it happens on average 23 seconds before, whereas before it was saying seven to 10 seconds. Now that research hasn't been published. This is a colleague telling me about this. So I haven't actually seen the paper. And so I can confirm that once I actually see the paper. But the idea is that there's, there's a lot more research coming out that's showing that intuition acts way faster than we actually think it does. So that's the base when it comes to trust. And so as a business, what you're trying to do, and we can all take a look at it. Everybody who's watching or listening has looked at their social media feeds. And so there's a couple of things you look at. What stopped the scroll for you? Like, what did you stop on? So it could be, you know, nice kitten videos or, or cats jumping at uh, cucumbers and somebody scaring somebody or somebody, you know, doing a prank and pulling somebody's pants down, whatever the case is. And they're funny and they're engaging and they're great because they're lighthearted moments. But if you're a business that's looking to sell something, either product or service, you have to think about, okay, how do you stop the scroll, which is the one thing, which is great. And so that's in your messaging. But there's a customer journey that also goes down. So it's not just uh, stopping the scroll. That's curiosity. Once you have curiosity, then you get into engagement. Once you get into engagement, then you get into sort of a deeper level of trust uh, where you're starting to get trusted. And then that's when somebody will make the decision to purchase. And so that can take... So I think the research says 80 to 85% of the purchase decisions are made within the first two years. Only 15% are actually made very, very closely. Probably in the first 60 to 90 days, I'll have to go back on the research, but this was something astounding. So it is a long-term game. And so what you have to do is you think about that customer journey, uh, even in that, in that split second of stopping the scroll, you got to have your messaging that, re- that resonates with the intuitive trust of the others so that they're stopping to say, okay, here's an interesting company with a product or service that is some, filling something that I need. And so what intuition is going to be looking at is that in that messaging down the funnel or down the website or other pieces of content, is there consistency between what these images are and what that person is actually about or what that company is about or what that product is about? And it can even be, it doesn't have to be an entrepreneur. With it. it can even be something like even ketchup. Right. And so one of the examples I give is like, for example, we've used Heinz for because we use Heinz in my family. There's that emotional connection back to the family unit. Um, and re- uh, recently, was, I think it was a couple of years ago, Heinz came out and they devastated a town in Toronto, in outside of in Ontario called Leamington, where they actually make tomatoes. And they fired a bunch, a bunch of people. And one of my friends actually worked at the plant. He was there in R&D and they saw it coming. That for me, that went against my values. When that goes against my values, what happens is now I switch my brand from Heinz to another thing called French's. Uh, and so this is a commodity item. Everybody buys it, but there's some value attached to it. And so the thing with Heinz, if they want to woo my interest back again and get me to trust their brand again, it's not just the cost of their advertising saying Heinz is a great product. They're in McDonald's and all this stuff where I see their logos and all that. But they also have to extricate me from the decision I'm making to buy from French's. So the cost is two to two and a half or even more once you lose that trust. Right. And, it, and you have your trust. It's, it's under 14 seconds. So this is where you have to be very, very careful with your messaging and so when it comes to, you know, spreading your message, what is your purpose? Why are you doing these? Why are you in business? Right. Even every product solves some problem. Right. I mean, you can look at head and shoulder shampoo, for example. Again, a commodity item. But when you're looking to me, you know, maybe it's something that's going to help, uh, you know, revive part of my scalp. And, you know, I've got a helicopter pad up on my head. Uh, right. So 
still, if, if those are commercials that really kind of resonate with me and as filling a problem, and I'm being a bit facetious in some of them, but I'm looking for a product or service to fill a need that I have. And when they do, and they, that messaging is consistent, I see that in the, a bit of the packaging, I see that in the ads, I see that in how they, they carry themselves as a company, uh, then I, start, I, I spend money on that. And so the first thing is, why are you in business? Uh, and there was a story, right? If you're in business because you want to replicate somebody else because you saw a Lamborghini or somebody uh, is on vacation, they love to do that, you start mimicking that person, uh, I'm going to find that out right away. Sure, I might like the stuff. Sure, you know, we're driven by these dopamine hits with these metrics, but I ain't buying anything from you. And the people that I interview who actually have mentored uh, influencers who've had two, five, eight, ten million Instagram followers or Facebook followers, they don't buy a damn thing from them, right? They go on and sell a t-shirt, five t-shirts out of eight million followers. Are you kidding me? Right? And so this is the, the cost of trust when you don't have messaging that resonates. So they may have eight million followers because they're very popular. They have a great story. They're famous, whatever the case is. But that's the level of my engagement from my intuition, my intuitive perspective. When they're selling a shirt, uh, then I know there's a disconnect between what they're presenting on social media and selling a shirt. I'm not looking from a shirt from that brand. I'm looking from a shirt from another brand that is in the business of shirts, right? Or if there's something, if that influencer is really behind a movement that I resonate with, then I will I'll buy that that because there's a movement. I'll give you a very good case study. One of the uh, one of the people I mentored was someone who was in the in the uh, industry of um, uh, selling uh, outerwear. It's not outerwear, sorry, swimwear. Uh, so a lot of bikinis and sort of on the higher end of, of these kind of uh, women's uh, uh, really basically bikinis is where they were in. And so I really asked her, what was her purpose? Why was she really doing? What's passionate about what she what she's really doing in life? What what drives her? And so she was saying, well, I really want to save the planet. I really want to save uh, the oceans and, and this. And I said, well, is there a way for you to integrate that story into what you make? I mean, it's bikinis. And so she said, sure enough, what she did is she found recycled fishnets. So she started making bikinis out of recycled fishnets. And so the impact of changing that was not only just a story, but people came to her for that story. And so the customer number of customers shrank because what she did is she moved the, the, the cost of her uh, bikinis high, but the, the, the shrinkage was probably, she lost maybe 25 to 30% of customers, but the other customers that came and the new ones that came on board bought two to three times more yeah, I was gonna say, because well, they were sure. behind that movement. And now she has a sustained business with the message. Um, and so guess what? People are gravitating to that message. Now she's got some amazing success and she continues to get more influencers being involved because of the story. So if you look at even the, the model coming on board, you know, they can get lots of uh, opportunities to model uh, wherever they want. But when there's that story that's involved, you know, that story is carried by that model to her influencers or his influencers or their circle of friends. And then you get, you know, that, that network marketing effect, of people telling other people. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and so, and, and that's where your intuitive branding really comes in. And what intuitive branding really is, is are you doing everything that's being that with your purpose, your messaging, how you manage your employees, how you treat your customers, how you are as a leader, and, and what do you stand for? And if there are people that resonate with all of those, 
then guess what? People are going to want to uh, be work for you. Customers are going to want to buy from you and more. And they're going to tell other people. The marketplace loves your messaging. And that's how you crush the competition. And that happens in under 14 seconds. And they crush the competition because 99.9% of the other businesses are simply not doing that. And if you look at Nike, uh, what does Nike stand for? Right. And so they, it, it, so when they came out with that, the ad with, with uh, Colin that they supported, you know, some industry pundits were saying they shouldn't get into this political game, et cetera, et cetera. But they they actually, their sales skyrocketed. It was a 30% boost. Um, and then they were also able to penetrate the European soccer market uh, where they had no business being in, but they stood for something. And so they go into the European soccer market where they're letting an outsider in, but they're letting an outsider in because that brand stood for something and the athletes can get around it. Now there's the development of business because they actually stood for something and people are coming behind it. And so that's essentially what intuitive branding is, is making sure that you've got developed that trust along the way in everything that you do. And you don't worry about what the competition is doing because I'm pretty sure that they're not doing that. Um, and time and time again, there are case study after case study after case study. I mean, one of the ones that I have uh, that I was instrumental in is there was a struggling business that was $400,000 in revenue and falling very, very fast. And they needed to really, really get help. So they brought me on board and I had two caveats. The first was uh, with the two co-CEOs, step away and let me make the decisions. I don't want any um, uh, meddling in what I do. <laughs> and the second thing is to make sure that uh, you let me kind of handle the reins of everything from the operations to the finances uh, and to the expansion. And so um, the first thing I did once they agreed was that I raised all the salaries. And so they're like scratching their heads saying, did we hire the right consultant? Um, and uh, it, the reason why I did that is because the sense that I got is there was zero trust between management and the employees. And the employees were treated like sardines. They just, they were there to, to and you can tell by the conversation, you can tell by the body language, you can tell of how they referred to the employees and they were just really numbers. Uh, and that there's zero way you can, you can uh, run a business, let alone expand a business by doing that. And so that's the first thing I did. It got the attention of all the employees saying, who is this new person that's coming? And, and they were initially suspicious about who is this guy and maybe they're throwing money at me because they're trying to appease uh, to us and maybe hold us for a little bit longer. So, you know, that trust wasn't necessarily instant, but it was a consistency in my actions, like actually asking them for opinions. Like when they had programs, actually put it in place and not look whether it's going to cost us, um, you know, an extra, you know, few, few hundred dollars or a couple thousand dollars. Um, if it made sense to the culture, if it made sense to the people, if it made sense to making jobs or workflow a little bit easier than it previously when it fell onto deaf ears, here's someone that's actually paying attention to the front line saying, I value you, I see you, let's put it in place because it, it makes a great business case as well. So this is not something that you're just doing willy-nilly. This is something where they actually felt that their opinion was really valued and that this is how it improved the company. And consequently, when I was able to look to expand that company, um, all I had to do was look at the expansion areas and say, this is where we're going. And the rest of the employees filled in everything operational, everything from workflow, everything from operational manuals, everything from helping each other. Some of them even wanted to travel 
with the team to, to, on their own, you know, dime in some cases or on weekends when they didn't get paid just to help they, help us out. There was such a collegiality between everything. And what happened was then we were able to expand properly and fast with little to no headaches. And so we went from 400000 by the time I came in. I left a couple of years later. We reached $3.5 million in revenues. And we were the sixth fastest growing company. In, this was back in, in, in 05. Um, and yeah, we, we were sixth fastest growing company in Canada uh, for a couple of years. Uh, and uh, wow. it was just based on trust. Trust, right? Wow. And of course, you've got to have processes. Of course, you've got to have business plans. Of course, you've got to have business cases. Of course, you've got to have data. You've got to have some experience behind that. But so it's just not a whim uh, that you just wave a, wave a magic wand and it happens. It starts with trust, but you still have to have all the back-end business processes that support that trust. But what it what happens is now you have a whole bunch of people all with the same goal, and which is to make the company successful. And interestingly enough, when I left after two years, that same company, because I was gone, crumbled in six months. Gone in six months because the rest, the, the two co-CEOs never learned about that trust issue. And despite me telling them in the next in the two years how they need to change how they do things to establish trust to make sure they they are ethical uh, to make the right decisions, they went back to the old way of doing things, and that's why I left. Uh, and uh, I said, I'm sorry, you guys are not listening. Um, and um, so when I left uh, six months later, they imploded because uh, again, and they didn't have to. They could have continued. They couldn't continue to trust. I gave them the runway. I gave them the manual. I gave them the map. I even gave them all the expansion areas that they can. So that three and a half million could have easily been 10 million because that's where my projections were going. But instead, uh, you know, they fell by the wayside. So it's too bad. That's unfortunate. Well, man, I I love a lot of the things that you've shared. I want to make sure that I do it justice by kind of summarizing my understanding of it, right? So when we talk about intuitive branding as entrepreneurs, really it comes down to the marriage of authenticity and messaging, it seems like, right? Like authenticity and messaging. Like um, when we're in the marketplace and we're kind of, you know, on our socials and all the different places that we're advertising what we do to make sure that those two things align. Like the example you provided of the influencers who may have been flashing a certain lifestyle and then turning around and asking you to buy a shirt. Right. And there's a disconnect there. Like, that's not why I follow you. I follow you for the jokes. I follow you for um, the lifestyle. I follow you for the entertainment. And now you're asking me to <coughs> to to purchase like your retail business. And, and nowhere along this journey have you made that connection for me. And so, um, like you said, the conversion of like five shirts for eight million followers. I mean, that's yeah. just. That's abysmal, right? But yeah, and um, it's, that's that's authenticity has to also be within not just the messaging, but it's also the way in the way you treat your customers, the way you treat your employees, uh, because that authenticity is in that feeling, the relationships, and it's, it comes down to that relationship that you have. What's the relationship with your employees? Are they open and honest? Do you do you value their creativity? Do you allow them to fail? Do you really care about their opinions? Because this is what the employees are going to feel, even if you conceptually say it and practically don't do it. I don't trust you then, right? Exactly. So if your actions don't match your words, when you're not watching, boy, oh boy, then that's when then you turn from a 3D person to a 2D company, which is a statistic. Now I'm on the internet looking for another job because exactly. you just told me, even though you said you valued my opinion, you're not following your through. Actions with don't match that. Absolutely, customers the same thing. Marketplace the same thing. And when that starts seeping in, so you can have the 
best messaging and the best uh, uh, thing in the marketplace. Uh, but if something happens inside uh, and employees and you treat employees like crap, that gets out. And when that gets out, then th- that gives uh, people pause. Well, that's interesting. I love their ads, but you know, they, I've got these scathing letters from employees that are coming out on Twitter. Uh, what's the disconnect there? And so for me, it all depends on how embedded I am in the products and services. Is that enough to pull me away? Uh, perhaps not. Uh, but for other customers, it is. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. And so you got to be very, very careful there. And so this is where it's really important to take, take the time to really take a deep dive into understanding what your intuitive signals are, because it's these signals that help you understand if the business, the decision you're making is, is going to be trustworthy or not. And so we were talking earlier about the seven day challenge Yeah. with the seven. And so, so if you look at SunilGatsi.com, all, everything there is on intuitive branding. There's a new podcast series coming out. That's dropping on May 6th. The very first podcast guest is Brendan Kane, who had his famous for uh, starting. He, he actually took a brand new account and grew it to over a million followers in 30 days on his Facebook to the same thing on Instagram. And he's written two books on it. And he said, yes, because everything he does was on intuitive branding. So he absolutely wanted to be podcast guest number one for me. And so he's the essence of what intuitive branding is. But if you look at the seven day challenge on intuitionology.com, what that does is it takes you through a problem. You identify a problem and it could be a business problem. It could be anything you're looking to solve. And the first thing I do is, is get you to understand what your inventory of negative signals are and what your inventory of positive signals are through a couple of those steps. And then once you have that, then you figure out, okay, what are the right steps to solve my problem? And then those are based on signals. If it's the right step they're planning, there's a positive signal, which feels like a flow where the dot's connecting. If you're trying to force uh, uh, something in there, then a negative signal is going to come up and say, ah, 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 Sunil or Devin, come on, you know better, right? And that negative signal, that sort of rub or that, that you know, that's a slight tension or some uh, abrasion, however it is for, however, for people, it's going to tell you that's a step I don't need. So what you're left with is the steps you need to take then the next step is surround yourself with the right people who are going to solve that problem, uh, make a change in whatever environment, and then take action. And so within the seven days, and you can do it faster. I mean, I, I, I don't I restrict people. But in that seven days, um, you're able to solve a problem. And what you also know is you have your, your intuitive signals that are positive and negative. And to help people along the way, I have two people that actually go through the seven-day challenge with you. And the first person is a, uh, by the fellow by the name of John Harris. He was actually selling his house and he used the seven day challenge to sell his house on day one. He got a bid of minus $20,000 from a really aggressive real estate person threw her card in his face. And he says, I don't trust her. His intuition was saying, I don't trust her. Now, had he not been in the seven day challenge, he was actually saying he would have been pushed to sign because he typically gets very scared. And she was saying, yeah, this is all that your house is worth. And he says, okay, 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 okay. I just want to sell my house. He would have signed, but his intuition and his wife's intuition are saying, uh-uh, we don't trust her. And so over the next seven days or seven steps, um, he ends up having a bidding war for $50,000 over his asking price. So in that seven days, he made 70 grand. That's, that's 10000 a day. That's a great, that's great change. That's a great, yeah. <laughs> and, the, and the second person who goes through it is somebody by the name of Ashley Michelle. Ashley uh, was suffering from PTSD, depression, anxiety. And here's why. At one point in a couple of years ago, she walked into her boyfriend's apartment and he had just murdered their best friend in the bathtub. He closes the door behind her, locks it up, puts a knife to her back and says, "Uh, I'm already going away for one murder. Why does it make it two? 
Her intuition gets her to calm him down. She calms herself down uh, and he assaults her. He chokes her. He asks her to clean up the blood. Uh, and then what, what her intuition is just waiting, waiting for a moment to escape. And she finally sees that moment as he's walking away to the bathroom. She takes a beeline for the apartment door, unlocks it, and runs 18 flights of stairs down. Obviously, she called 911 and, and, and lived to tell the story. And, and she actually gave me an interview, a podcast interview about her story. So she used the seven-day challenge to deal with all the stuff that she had to deal with. Now, it, it didn't get rid of it, right. but it minimized it. And what, what she learned is that here are some people I can trust, and here are people I can't trust. And just getting me to live. It just getting me to walk outside my apartment. And she found that she can go to the gym. She can actually start trusting people. Um, and so she used the seven days to do that. And she's a huge fan of what I'm doing just because of the amount of trauma that she's had to go through. On top of that, she was again assaulted when she was running. So just one thing after another for her that's happened in the past, my seven day challenge, and, and I continue to advise her and coach her, um, is just helping her really deal with life. So if John Harris and Ashley Michelle can solve those kind of problems going to the 70 challenge, uh, nobody should have any excuse in solving a problem when they go to that challenge. And it's completely free on the intuitionology.com website. And then you have a template for every problem. So oh, there you go. Awesome. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Actually, one of the things I appreciate too, just about kind of, you know, what you've been sharing um, and, it, and it aligns really closely with, you know, some of the messaging that we've been providing uh, to our legacy leaders um, here recently is around focusing on the the depth of your relationships and not the breadth of your relationships, um, whether that be, um, you know, with your clients, your potential customers, right, and how you market and focusing on getting that core, you know, rabbit following kind of like what you mentioned with um, the entrepreneur who found, you know, married her calling of wanting to save the environment with her bikinis, right? And knew, hey, I'm going to lose some customers along the way, but the customers that I retain, you know, when I raise my prices, um, the customers I retain, they're, are, they are fanatical behind this mission. They are on board for what this mission is about, right? Um, and so I get better wallet share. I get better, um, you know, again, stickiness in terms of like uh, customer retention, all of those things. Um, and then now, you know, with the examples you provided, both with John, but especially with Ashley, um, specifically, her, her story is just uh, so compelling, um, right? But when we talk about, like, what I gather from that is she spent, you know, that seven-step that seven step process really refining and defining what her intuitive signals were yes. and being able to try uh, to trust those again, right? Because I can only imagine... Um, especially in the situation that she was in where you, you thought you knew this individual, right? Maybe you didn't listen to those signals and then you found yourself in the situation she found herself in, right? Literally her life being at risk um, and it being hard to trust, trust your own decision-making again, right? Yeah. Like how did I even get myself into that, to that position? And yeah. um, to hear that, you know, through that seven step process, she was able yeah. to find that is, is awesome, man. And if you even look at now from a business perspective, from Ashley's perspective, she's now in the process of writing a book. Um, uh, and so I'm actually helping her through that process. Um, and it's, it's basically it's called Strength Through Tragedy. Uh, and she's so she's had a, a bunch of posts and stuff of that. We're in the process of putting a book together for her. So here's a situation where she's used what she's had. She's trusted her intuition uh, to move forward to make it to have a business decision where she can actually put things in the in the marketplace to help others who can actually learn from her experiences. And she's already got some, some testimonials already from people who haven't really looked at the book, 
but just the stuff that she she's posting, which is very similar to what she's going to be putting in the book, it's actually saved lives. It's actually had people not take their life. And so from a business perspective, this is exactly what you want. Here's your purpose. Here's your story. Here's your messaging. Very authentic. And guess who's getting drawn, right? People. And she just started a Facebook group, uh, I think, a couple of days ago. She's up to now over 100 people in it. Um, and she's getting even police detectives that are saying, I'm going to help you. I'm going to buy your book. She's getting counselors that treat her saying, I'm definitely going to be a supporter. They're telling other people. Radio stations are now hearing about it. This is something that just happened in the last couple of weeks. But that's the, the power of intuition when you use it in something called intuitive branding. That's how business is done. Mm. Mm. No, man, I, I appreciate that um, so much. Uh, you're absolutely right. Um, again, a, another example of somebody just being authentic, um, representing that authenticity in their messaging and how powerful that can be. Like you said, yeah, you know, you have to have you have to think about things that are going to stop the scroll like you called out. Right. Um, but then how do you really foster true engagement um, and people rally behind messaging with purpose people rally behind messaging with purpose and i think that's what you continue to touch on so talk to us a little bit more um just about um uh intuitionology how that kind of got started and um i know you mentioned the podcast getting ready to launch so um you know kind of educate our listeners a little bit too on what compelled you to go down that route of you know getting ready to launch this this podcast to support what you're doing with the intuition yeah absolutely so intuitionology came about it's funny enough i wrote a business book called fail fast succeed faster which is my first book and the premise of that book was that if you were to learn from the stories of others who had failed already who have gone through the hurdles then conceptually if you were to read them and you didn't re repeat their mistakes you should be able to succeed faster and so when i used to go on stages to talk about it the one question I kept getting asked by people in the crowd was, Sunil, can you tell me the one thing that's going to uh, help me succeed? And so at that point, I used to roll my eyes saying, like, I didn't come here with a cue card or a PDF sheet. This is a 400-page book, man, right? <laughs> I have a speaking fee. So if it was that one thing, man, nobody paid me to speak. So I said, no, it's not. But until I went back to the audio recordings, and what I didn't pick up on was that the people who failed uh, were the ones that actually surrounded with themselves with the, with the opinions of others or the advice of others who were with the wrong relationships. Like they listened to the wrong people. And the ones that were able to break free were the ones that actually trusted their intuition. They're using language saying, I trusted my gut or I ignored my intuition to get into the situation. I should have, I could have, I knew what the right decision was. All these sentences around intuition and the ones that were able to break free were the ones to say, no, listen, I'm going to make the decision for me. Um, and when they do, when they did, when they trusted themselves, then that's when their businesses came back. And so that got me really interested in things. Okay, what is this thing called intuition that everybody keeps talking that I completely missed? And this is what got me to go into the, the depths of what intuition is and the intuitive signals. Um, and I'm not sure if we talked about the four types in the, in the last um, episode. Um, refresh do you remember the refresh our listeners. Yeah. And, and so, so for the, the four types... What I found is the intuitive signals are there. We talked about whether they're positive or negative. But what I want the listeners and those watching to really pay to know is that those signals are jam-packed with tons of information. And so in my research, I, I, I identified four types of intuition. And the best way I can show these four types is through a case study of a non-believer. So one of my friends was a uh, uh, person by the name of John Rostell. Now, this guy was an investment banker. So... 
when I was looking at intuition at that time, it was all about um, voices from God, manifestation, um, and things like that. So with John knowing that kind of stuff, he was saying, listen, Sunil, intuition does not exist, okay? Uh, you can come down. I'll talk. I'll give you an hour. We haven't seen each other for a while. We'll talk about intuition, I think, for five minutes. And let's just catch up for the rest of the hour. So I'm driving down thinking, oh, man, how's this interview going to go? And he was one of my first interviewees. So I turn on the camera and we talk about these signals. And I even told him about there was a, a CEO that's run two multi-million dollar organizations based on seeing signals like omens behind his right shoulder, for example. And so John was saying, yeah, you know what, Sunil, I'd, I'd like to shake that guy's hand. I'd like to meet him. But come on. He says, look, Sunil, intuition is sorry, not intuition, decisions business decisions are made based on learning and experience and that's it that's it and so now we're going to get into the four types of intuition one of the four types of intuition is called experiential intuition so if you look at your brain like an iceberg 90 percent is below water which is a subconscious the 10 percent is the conscious which is above water what your intuition does you're born with intuition and there's a paper that shows that infants as young as two months old have been shown to have intuitive tendencies. The paper calls it intuitive physics. So when you're born with intuition, when you're young, five to 6,000 decisions a day, when you're older, 28 to 35,000 decisions a day, every decision is being put in both your learning formal and informal street smarts, your education, your, your education formal and informal, your experience formal and informal, the good things, the bad things, and what you observe of others every day is being put into the subconscious area of your brain like a library so that when a signal comes up for you your intuition is going into the subconscious area of your brain like a library and it's going to pull the relevant information for that decision so if it's a positive signal because you're about to make a decision then your intuition is saying hey Devin, you've been here before i know you can do it because somewhere in the past you've had the skills to do it it may not be a direct correlation but I know you can do it. And so that's what happens. And so that's where you get a positive signal. Of course, the other, the other situation is the same. So if I try and make a decision that uh, is something that I didn't do so well in the past with, my intuitive signals are going, ah, 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 Sunil, this happened in the past. You some, something similar. That decision didn't work out for you. So here's a negative signal that's telling you that you shouldn't be making that decision. So those signals are really packed with information. And I was telling John, sometimes your intuition goes against the data. And he goes, well, that's really interesting, Sunil. I, have an, I, I actually have a, an example for you. And I said, well, please tell me. And so he was in the business of doing, uh, putting franchise locations. So things like Wendy's or McDonald's and things like that. And so they would use a benchmarking system, of nine out of 10. And a nine out of 10 or higher means that they would put a franchise in and they would look at things like a demographic traffic studies uh, and also development in the area as examples. So there was this dilapidated area of Toronto, just a crappy area. And his team looked at it and it was a five and a half out of 10. So from the data perspective, there's no way they should have put a franchise location. And so John goes to that location and he just looks around and he's talking. Now we're talking about the second of the four called situational intuition. He looks around and something about that situation is telling him that he should put a location there. And now John's saying, perhaps it's intuition. I'm not sure. 
but something was telling me that we should go ahead with that location. So now I'm just happy he's using the word intuition. Um, and he goes ahead, he puts location there. And that became one of the most successful franchise operations under his portfolio over franchise operations called the beer market. Wow. And so now John's starting to get it. And we start talking about teams and we start talking a little bit more about intuition. And then John's purpose changes. He wanted to, instead of being an investment banker, he wanted to now actually run a company. And the third of the four is called relational intuition. What relational intuition does is it filters people through to only allow those who really are you are there as a foundation for support. They care for your well-being. They care for your success. Not necessarily yes people, but they've got your back in any situation. And so in John's case, all the people who uh, wanted money, fame, ego, high-end restaurants, limousines, private jets, security, cash, all of those people told him, you're nuts, except for his wife. And his wife simply asked, John, why do you want to do this? And John says, it feels right. It just feels right. And this is now an intuitive signal. And John goes on to say, sometimes you may have all the data, but you got to trust your intuition. And I'm sitting back like, oh, my God, can we do that? And the fourth of the four is called creative intuition. Creative intuition is the ultimate one that has you make the decision. So if you're like eating a sandwich, you're turning left at the light. That's not very creative. So your creative intuition is pretty low. Right. But in John's case, this is a guy who was making three to four million dollars a run, running successful multi-million dollar businesses as an investment analyst. Um, and so he instead, you would think his intuition pick like a really, really good uh, business, strong cash flows, great balance sheet. Healthy revenues, not his intuition. His intuition picks a tiny, bankrupt little restaurant. And so he does. He quits his three to four million dollar a year, rolls up his sleeves, and walks into that bankrupt restaurant with basically there's nothing in the bank coming. Mm. That tiny, bankrupt little restaurant ended up being Eastside Mario's location number one. And over the next 20 years, he grew that to over $2 billion under different brand names. Why? Because it just felt right. Right. <laughs> that's the power of intuition. That's the role of intuition when it comes to business. And that's how you grow. Awesome, man. So make sure that uh, I'm following here. Those, you know, when we talk about the four different type of uh, uh, intuition that exists, right? You have the uh, experiential, like right, rooted in experience. You have your situational um intuition that says, hey, there's something right about this situation, regardless of what the data says, right? Um, Just from what I'm feeling about the situation, this is right. You have relation, right? Um, You know, uh, uh, intuition rooted in relationships, you know, folks that, um, you know, you can trust and are supporting you and supporting you for the right reasons or motivated by the right things, right? Um, And then lastly, your creative uh, intuition, Right. The one that allows you to, um, you know, listen to that voice and see the possibility, the potential of what can be what you can build. Um, right. So, man, that, that's that's some powerful stuff. And I mean, I don't know how many of our listeners out there, uh, you know, would uh, take take that bet and listen to that voice and say, you know, what, I'm going to give up on this three to four million dollar a year opportunity uh, to take on a bankrupt, uh, you know, restaurant. Um, but. Again, you know, uh, this is another situation where intuition proved to be right. I mean, to grow that to two billion, 
um, under you know multiple brands. Obviously, um, that's awesome. And obviously, it was a combination of all four of yes. you know those forms of intuition that led him to be as successful as as he as he was. Man, that's that's exciting, man. That's awesome. Yeah, and 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 that's the that's the complexity of intuition. So, a lot of times you see on social media, trust your gut, uh, live in the present moment. Um, you know, you see a lot of those kind of themes or memes out there and, and respectfully, people don't really know what they're talking about because they, they don't know what their signals are. Oh yeah. You know, listen to that voice. I mean, I heard that voice when I was five years old, right. When, my, when I wanted some video games, they were too expensive. And my dad said, no. And I heard this voice, loud voice saying, so, you know, go door to door to raise money. And that's what I did. I raised $200 as a five-year-old kid. I tied my two-year, my two-year-old brother in diapers accompanying me. We had lots of milk and cookies. But 200 bucks, man, at five years old, right? And 100 bucks went to my dad. Another 100 went to charity because that's what I liked, uh, uh, that I loved about it. Um, and so this is where the complexity of intuition really is. But the way it acts is really simple. And people just need to take action to even just through the seven-day challenge or even if they don't want the seven-day challenge, write on a piece of paper what are the good decisions you made, what are the bad decisions you made, and what did it feel like? And really spend time to think about what it felt like, because once you get those inventory of good signals, positive signals and negative signals, then you're locked and loaded for any decision. Um, and the misconception is that, uh, you know, sometimes it, what, what happens a lot of times, I would say 99% of the people are really living through the opinions of others. So we've gone through a traumatic event. Somebody said something in the past that's triggered us. Uh, somebody's given us bad advice where they don't really care about what we want. Or we're just living to prove people wrong, right? Because we think we need to. When you're doing that, 90, you're living to the values of other people. That's their signals, their values. If you're living in the present moment, if you're living through the lens of other people, you're not listening to your signals. Your signals are there, but you're ignoring them because you're looking somewhere else. And so this is why it's important to really surround yourself with the right people uh, because these are the ones that are going to give you the self-confidence to make the signals to move forward, right? And a lot of times it's fearful, right? I, you know, and I, I must be, I'll, I'll share the case study before and, and I apologize for those who listened to uh, the part one. I'm, I'm repeating this case study, but I think these two case studies are really, really important to demonstrate this. So Vin Jang was in 2016, Vin Jang was an, he was an international magician. 2016, this guy was speaking to 100,000 people on 80 stages around the world. His wow. career was seemingly on fire. Um, but what his intuition was saying is that, buddy, you are a wreck inside. So he goes away to New Zealand and he basically, there's no cell phones, isolates himself, puts up these values that he puts up on the wall. Just think, thinks about these are the values that he wants. And he takes a step back and says, wow, that's what my wife wants. That's what my career wants. That's what my manager wants. This is what other people want. Where's Vin? Where am I? And he takes those, those papers down. He puts the papers back up. And what he thought was going to be a cathartic experience, what he thought was going to be a freeing experience, was frightening. Because for the first time in his life, he's given himself permission to be him. And it was very frightening. The problem that he faces, he goes through that exercise. And the problem that many people face is they don't take action. Goes back to Los Angeles. Same set of people, same brands that he figures he needs to have, same downtown high-rise LA, and he goes back to the same old thing. Six months later, his parents come up from Australia, 
and his mom tosses him aside and says, basically, there's a saying in Vietnamese that he that she used and said, when you're around ink, sorry, when you're around squid, <laughs> you're going to get some ink on some you. Ink on you. <laughs> right. And so you're around squid. This is not my boy. And so he, he basically trusts his intuition to make every single decision the right way after that. And one of the things I told him in my podcast interview with him is something called opportunity cost. And that is, I told say, Vin, this is not just the six months that you lost doing the wrong thing. It's also the six months that you lost doing the right thing. And so you've actually lost a full year of your life. And if you're in the business of helping 100,000 people a year, how many people did you leave behind? How many people didn't you help? And so the problem with is that that problem of really kind of coming through is fear. We fear change. We fear the unknown. We, we just fear failure. But don't forget, with your intuition hitting the limbic part of the system, there's, there's just really two types of fear. Either you're going to be eaten by a saber-toothed tiger or you have a signal that's telling you what the right decision is. So your, your intuition knows whether you're in danger or not just by the nature of the signal that you get. So if it's a positive signal and you're, you're fearful, what are you fearing? Yeah, right? Exactly. And so one of the, one of the stories I, I tell a lot is there's a fellow by the name of David Dame who has cerebral palsy uh, in his wheelchair for his whole life. He used to go on vacations and would look out on beaches to say, what if? Just never, even though his intuition say, come on, David, you can do it. The one time he decides to trust his intuition, says, I'm going to do it. Today's the day. He gets his, his wife and some of his friends to wheel him up on the beach where the water hits the sand because all he wants to do is feel the sand and the water in his toes. They lift him up and he falls flat on his face. Embarrassment and fear start coming in. And he says, Sunil, I have two things I can do in this moment. The first is I can succumb to that fear and sit back in my wheelchair and forever regret that my dream of being on a beach and feeling the sand on the water cannot be turned into reality. I am right here. Mm. Or the second thing is I can listen to that intuitive signal that's saying, David, take a step in the water. You're okay. David, take another one. Come on, David, take a third. And he continues to walk and continues to listen to his signals step after step after step. And he gets the water gets up to about the chin. And then he turns around. And he was blown away by how far he came. So when you live in the present moment, when you listen to your intuitive signals and you take step by step by step, you will also be blown away by how far you've taken your personal life and your business. Awesome. Just by trusting your intuitive signals. I appreciate you sharing that um, again, because it is still, like I said, it's a, it's a super powerful message around uh, overcoming fear, not succumbing to that fear, not being defined by fear, right? Um, and then using your intuition to challenge yourself and get closer to your purpose, right? Fulfilling right. your purpose, fulfilling your goals. So um, that's some powerful stuff, man. Uh, <clears throat> actually, what I was hoping is, because you've dropped a lot of nugget, like knowledge bombs uh, for our listeners along the way, our golden nuggets uh, along the way for our listeners. And so um, I'm pretty confident we have folks that probably, much like uh, your good friend, the investment banker, uh, started off this conversation with some skepticism when it, came, when it comes to the topic of intuition and how to really leverage that for decision making. And then now they may be at the point where they say, okay, you know what, Sunil? You know what, uh, Devon, you know what, Jimmy? I'm, 
I'm, you got me open. I'm on board, right? So, like, where do I go from here, right? So, I'm hoping maybe you can help uh, highlight that for our, for our listeners here, which is, you know, what are the next steps if they wanted to explore this a little bit more or really challenge themselves to try and grow in this space? Um, and then uh, if they need support in that journey, I'm pretty confident they can reach out to you. So, what are the best ways to reach out to you as well? Yeah, absolutely. So, on the personal side, when they're looking at stripping themselves with relationships, you can go to intuitionology.com. They can take the free seven-day challenge there. Uh, and then there's some courses and they can always book a call with me just to get rid of relationships there. So that's, there's that on the intuitive branding side. Um, that's a Sunil Um, that one is you go straight to booking a call and then we can take a look at, um, whether you need some one-on-one support. Uh, I'm right now doing a joint venture with somebody out of the UK. We're just putting that together. And so she was the coach of the year in 2019, 2020 in, in, uh, in UK. Uh, and her and I are working together on basically intuitive branding, um, and taking a look at that. Uh, and so we're mentoring people on a monthly basis. Um, that's dropping probably in about three weeks. Um, but yeah, it's all about that. So if they need monthly support versus uh, one-on-one support uh, with some coaching and action plans, um, or they just want to consume my content, it's all the way. It's it's up to them. It's all about the 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 budget and the emergency uh, and the urgency. I would say, and whether they want to do it the right way, or they want to kind of you know mingle around and then uh, kind of <laughs> find out what you know eventually. Where they want to do what they want to do but the idea is that i never want people to hit rock bottom um because time and time again unfortunately what happens is when people don't educate themselves on these signals that's what happens uh is that rock bottom and in fact my new intuitionology podcast series is going through a bit of rebrand uh, next week called the intuitive wake-up call um, and these are going to be stories shared by people about that intuitive wake-up call it's the bounce that they have um, because those are the stories that I think will highlight the importance of intuition. Um, and I don't want people to go through that. I would rather save them time, money, and effort in getting the advice so that they don't waste all that. And just like Vin Jang, it's not just six months, it's a year. So double up what you think you need because that's twice the cost. And so I would make the time investment uh, or even just the, the monetary investment that you need if you need that help. Absolutely, man. No, I appreciate you highlighting that. It's awesome to kind of see that your journey come full circle, right? Uh, with your first book, right? Uh, you know, fail fast, uh, succeed faster. Uh, it, you know, highlighting folks that have fallen short and the lessons from failure, finding this through line around intuition. And now to see that manifest itself with this rebrand that's coming up with the Intuitionality G podcast and the Intuition Wake Up Call. Again, another example of where people have failed to listen to their intuition and how we can learn from that um, as listeners, as entrepreneurs, and you know, heed that warning um, and then uh, be intentional about being present, paying attention to those intuitive signals um, so that we can make better decisions and not have to hit rock bottom to learn the lessons the hard way, man. So um, this has been a, a great follow-up, man. I really appreciate your time. I really appreciate the, the benefit of your expertise. It's clear that uh, not only have you studied in this space, right, but um, I think a lot of our entrepreneurs can appreciate this, which is you've executed in this space, right? Yeah. It's not just about the theories, about the application, and you've been able to do that uh, multiple times with uh, multiple companies, uh, you know, growing them to, you know, uh, you know, millions and millions of dollars in revenue, but also helping these leaders and entrepreneurs refine their decision-making process, get better in tune with their intuition, and leverage that to make effective decisions consistently, man. So uh, this has been great. Excellent. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Appreciate it. Absolutely. So uh, to all our legacy leaders, um, first, we want to thank you for listening. Please make sure that you stop and you show some love. 
uh, by commenting, liking, sharing. Um, obviously, you got you know knowledge bombs over these past two episodes, golden nuggets over these past two episodes in spades, um, and you'd be a fool to not pass that on and to share. Um, if you have uh, you know more insights or questions regarding intuition and how you can refine um, your intuition in that space again, like Sunil called out, you can go to intuitionology.com, um, take the seven-day challenge, which is completely free, walks you through those seven steps so that you can make more effective decisions. Um, and then if you need something more for your business and intuitive branding, sunilgodsey.com, um, where uh, you can take advantage of the resources there, set up some time, get a consult, uh, and figure out what solutions are available to you along the way. Um, and uh, for our legacy leaders, this is just the, the beginning of a series that we're going to be doing. Um, and so Sunil did a phenomenal job of really helping to set the table for this upcoming month as we really start diving into decision making as entrepreneurs, decision making as entrepreneurs. And uh, obviously, intuition plays a huge role in that. Um, and uh, that has been, a <laughs> excuse me, that has been established. Uh, but uh, we're looking forward to fleshing out a little bit more of these next couple of episodes. So, uh, again, uh, if you're trying to uh, reach out to us, just connect. Make sure that you connect on our Facebook, um, Legacy Leader uh, Community. Follow us on Instagram. Um, you can find uh, us at, at Legacy Leadership, uh, also on Twitter and Instagram. Um, you can follow uh, me on Instagram, at Leadership Dilson, or Jimmy, at Coach underscore Jimmy G Jr., um, on Instagram as well. We'd love to connect. We'd love to hear from you um, and get your feedback on the nuggets that have been dropped over these past couple episodes. So uh, with that being said, we appreciate your time. God bless and stay encouraged. You guys have a great one. Rage on that beat going crazy. Just listen to the Legacy and Leadership Podcast, hosted by Jimmy Gonzalez and Devon Watts. Thank you, and we hope that you live, lead, and leave a legacy worth remembering. Until next time.